Welcome to the Renaissance Humanism podcast. Today's podcast will be on analysis techniques for UX design. The purpose of this podcast is for my personal portfolio on UX design and also for that any viewers, any listeners can actually take this information and apply that into building their own UX portfolio or use the same techniques in their careers. Okay, the first one will be triangulation. Triangulation is where we look at the information, the data that we've gathered by doing usability testing, by doing A and B testing. That's where we get the, when we actually did make changes to like the actual website, well, the designers make the changes that the UX, UX designers have recommended part of, as part of the design team. They make the changes to the website and what they do is like they keep the original site maybe some changes from previous designs as well on that site and also the newer version, a different version that'll be tested at the same time. It's like with the Barack Obama campaign in 2007-2008 to try to fund himself. Uh, there were like two different, there was the same site but they had different fronts to it, different different home pages on the website where you actually go into the website. There's different like, um, more like, with the UX writing they've changed on the website like saying, uh, like, come and join us, come and pay for this, come and, um, th those kind of, what, what those exact words, but with that kind of uh, wording going off to actually try and get people to actually sign up. Now, with this, what you do from a user research, from like doing usability testings, you like triangulate from all the data from doing the analysis using analytics, uh, doing, uh, outdoors testing if you go outside to the public, testing outside, doing online surveys, doing surveys face-to-face -face, um, and also doing usability testing either over Zoom or in a usability testing lab that you get the, you look at your information, yourself, your team and see where there's actually been a triangulation where, where as the same problems kept on happening, people having problems logging in are people having problems navigating the website? Are they the same pain points? And if those pain points are triangulated with the data, you can realise where you got a problem and where a new design needs to be developed. Okay, affinity diagrams. Affinity diagrams, just picture a whiteboard. Like, no, like, imagine you've got like three white bobs in a row. You can also do these by yourself online by getting the right software but what you do you get the positive notes on the, on the positive notes you write down what the problems are and you get the you do it in the team you write down the problems write down is there any like pain points um you, you're just brainstorming ideas you gotta try and fix the five problems which is uh, is it clear is there any deal breakers any behavioral problems any contact or negative emotions and others if applicable There'll be many. There'll be many more to this. Supposed to be working with yourself, probably with a team. It's better with a team. Uh, in it, we just like discussing ideas and just putting them in positive notes, so you can all like brainstorm ideas. But either way, you can do this by yourself. You don't actually need like a large group of people, but just more recommended because you can get a lot of information onto affinity diagram. You can get like like I mean, quite a lot of information that like like you could back up from a month's worth of doing usability testing, looking at analytics and different kinds of information, you do that all on positive notes. And you put the positive notes on the boards, 
and you, then you get together, or you do it by yourself, and you group them in, and you group them into like um, common problems, or they're all like related. And then you also do like sub, like like uh, subsections as well, if they're related to the same section, but you need to be more specific. Um, again, you can you can do these online. You don't actually need to get a board. You can just do it, do it from just not using normal software. Now the journey maps. This is pretty much as it says it is. When you go and watch a user using the product or service, you see them navigating the site, and what you what you do, you follow the customer's journey, and you see where other other pain points are, and also during this journey, there might be links where they actually go have to sign up onto a different website. If you're doing UX design for a particular website, you're going to have to focus purely on that website, unless it's related to other sites what you're also working on. But you'll be just focusing on the one site. So what you do then, you continue following their journey, just so you know the entire customer journey. You, you know it's happening because if you go on like a travel site, and there's a website where it compares different travelers, different airlines, different hotels, different services. And when it compares them all, it'll give you links to actually pay and buy that product or service. So obviously from that, you want to keep on following the customer journey. Uh, personas, uh, personas, I think they can be the good and bad, I would say. I think, I think, I think it's probably worth doing, but at, at the end of the time, because it's fictional. If you want to build a persona, you want it to be based as much as you can on the user so if, you, if you're interviewing like doing 15 usability testings uh, another movie team member might be doing no 15 no 15 depending on how the setup is because ideally you want to do as many usability testings as you can but what I've found out is that the appropriate number because you're on like tight schedules tend to be around about 15 users 15 or 20 I'm going to say users I mean the people that actually use the product and service, people that are actually literate using IT. So you'd be no good having your like 79 year old grandmother or grandfather try to actually work the equipment unless obviously with different age ranges, different generations, just because someone's in the 50s or 60s doesn't mean they can't work a computer. Same for old people, just that normally people get older they don't use these technologies. It's like people using Instagram or Facebook. Uh, Facebook came around in 2004, YouTube 2005. The people that would have used that would now be in their like 30s easily. Same with Instagram as well. Instagram, somebody could have been in their 30s. They would either have used it or now they have no idea about it because it can be like generational differences as well. Mm. So when you're trying to use you choose you actually people to do the usability testing you want to try to get the actual the people that are going to use the product doing the actual testing there's, there's no point testing people if they're not going to use that product so say let's say that you want to um, that you like you're a website trying to get like total jobs total jobs that's it and if somebody who's actually been in work for quite some time they're in the 40s they're not very good at using computers they try and um, go on this website, they have difficulty navigating the website. This is where the UX professional comes in, the UX designer, junior UX designer, UX writer, the different kind of title, different sort of like uh, 
jobs underneath as well because a UX designer and a UX writer the position that are necessarily related so what they got to try and do is make the experience as painless as possible they got to make the experience so the other person actually have to think as well so yeah so when you design your personas make them as close to reality as you actually can that way if, it's, if, if they're real or the information I should say the information is real but the person is fake just because that person is supposed to represent uh, 15 or so people that are actually doing usability testing in or two different demographics if you've, you've kind of if kind of figured out as well or different kind of users like you could have like uh, Bob Bob is very tech savvy uh, but uh, Jeff 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 is not My, my apologies about that, I just got interrupted them for a second. Um, oh yeah, the personas. You want the personas to be based on real data. You don't want the personas to be totally fictional. You want it to be based on reality because when you're trying to make the argument the case for your research, you don't want to use like fake people or fake information to be as real as you can. Now, with that said, different teams, different organisations, have different methodologies, you have different techniques, different ways of doing things, different ways of doing the user research, different ways of working together part as a team, because we're working remote now, the way the way things are done, they are different. Just that's just the way it is. Uh, oh yeah. uh, the customer value curve. Now this is where say you got like the example of two banks you've got two banks one bank it's a legacy bank like Lloyd's you've got this new bank that's new it's lean it's agile it's using new technologies the other one's got the baggage but it's also got the history of success the history of, of like permanence as well that's been there for a very long time both banks have the goods and the bads when it comes to that, the reputations. Now, you want to look at it from the customer's perspective using analytical tools. They want to look at the competitive gap. So, say if it's a new bank, it's all pretty much online. They only have like small offices, they don't have like branches all around the country. It's very lean compared to a bank like Lloyd's or Virgin, I would say now. The systems could be from legacy systems, like from the previous companies that it's merged with. When I worked at Lloyd's doing uh, customer service stockbroking, a lot of our systems for the stockbroking is actually from uh, Halifax. So it's Halifax Banking, Halifax uh, Stock at Stocks. It was using the old systems going back to the 2000s and even 1990s. So th that kind of user experience with the user was very shoddy. It was very clunky, it wasn't very user friendly. I got that knowledge just from myself, from knowing UX design and also talking to members of staff, actually, I, you know, watching people use the software, seeing what happens, talking to people, different stakeholders. So I got to learn more about the systems. I got to learn about uh, how systems were actually, you know, the actual professional stockbrokers who are, who are fully trained. So I actually learned about different systems. 
and you realise from something like that, that actually the, the the competitive gaps between the two that a new company could potentially beat the larger companies with its agile thinking, with its technology and its efficiency, rather than the larger companies. Just because again, the legacy companies. So we got to look look at that with security, reputation. A newer bank could be better because it answered through the 2008 financial crisis. So you got to look at things like that as well. You got to measure functionality, security, usability, flexibility, trust, stability, mobile, and multiple locations. So th that also applies to websites as well. When you do your, your compatibility, your competitive benchmarking as well. Look at the website, you compare, contrast. You talk to actually the, the stakeholder who that's responsible. So we actually have a good idea what sort of their vision as well is. So we all work together as a, a team. Yeah, yeah but yeah. Uh, empathy mapping. Um, uh, this is pretty much what the user thinks, what the user feels, what the user does and what the user's goal is. But what a user says they're going to do and what they're going to do and what they think they're going to do doesn't necessarily mean anything in reality. Because a, thing that a person could say every single Christmas they're going to go to gym and they're going to do it for 12 months. They can say they're going to do this, they can even mean to say they're going to do this but it doesn't mean they're actually going to do this. It doesn't mean that users are liars it just means that people are unreliable. Okay. Now, you got there's also categories as well for the mapping. So, like, what I was describing before was basically the wheel and the users in the centre, and around the wheel, you have what the user says, what the user thinks, what the user say, what the user feels, what the user does, and what the user's goals are. Now, in that there's also categories as well, so what users want to know, uh, mismatched mental models, benefits they're unaware of, things that confu confuses them, and pain points when signing up for, um, for the site, to whatever kind of goal the website is, what want the users to do, and what that should, no. It's not what we want the users to do, but what the user wants to do on the website when they go through the journey and if we empathize with them we can find those pain points and we can actually try to make the process as unpainful as possible as simple as possible it's kind of like when you log into your computer in the morning you may not necessarily know you're doing it but you, you know that you're doing it but you haven't really got a fixed memory in it, fixed memory on it because you're just, you're just doing something automatically you want something like that to be the way a person actually use our software, use the websites. You want to make it as easily as possible for them. You don't want to make them think. The user should not think if at all possible. But if they have to think, you want the writing to be on the screen to direct them what they need to do. Or it's, or it's like clickable as well, so they move around, they can click on things, they can navigate the site very easily, they get the information on the screen and do it straight away. Because we got to think about, we got to think, when we do the usability testing previously, our research, 
we've got to we've got to think of everything the user must always come first that's why we do personas that's why empathy mapping because we've always got to think about the users and their experience their experience using the products if it's a physical product or their experience using websites we've always got to think and emphasize empathize with the users i think that covers everything i think that explains the uh, analytical techniques for UX design uh, I'm sure there are many others, different organisations with different techniques. That's just what I'm aware of, which I've used in the past. Okay, I'm just going to scroll up to the top of the page now. Uh, you can take screenshots of this on your mobile, on your screen. I've got no problem with this. I think information should be accessible to everybody. And I hope the notes I've made myself on my UX design journey can help yourself as well. So I'm just going to scroll it now. Please take a screenshot if you want to. Okay. Thanks for watching this. And if you're watching this on a podcast, thanks for listening as well. I hope you found this useful and informative. Thank you for your time.